Hello, and welcome to the Scottish Clans Podcast. I'm Clint. Thank you for joining me. For this episode, we might have a little bit of a soundtrack as I have one of my daughters playing on a keyboard directly below me in a bedroom right underneath where my den, where I record this is. And and then my other daughter on the actual piano may start up in the near future. So y'all are going to have a little music, maybe. It should be really faint and in the background, but if you listen carefully, you might be able to hear it. So thank you, sweetheart little daughters of mine, for providing us with some music for this episode. This episode's going to be about the, the Frasers of Love It and their involvement in the 45, courtesy of, well, dedicated to, I should say, Love it, Fraser. One of my patrons, uh, he's via Patreon. He has donated to the cause and contributed, and he's got uh, several other notable works in the process. He is a Scot. Uh, I appreciate his, he's been with us for a long time now, an active member of our Facebook group, and he's just He's just taken a really good part in all this, and so I appreciate his involvement, and because he's been so awesome, I asked him what he wanted me to talk about, and of course, a man named Lovett Fraser is going to want me to talk about the Frasers of Lovett. Before I get into that, though, let me give a shout-out to my sponsor, USA Kilts. If you have any desire at all to put anything on your body that it would express your pride in your Scottish heritage or your interest in Scottish culture, go to usakilts.com. They have a wonderful team there of people who are very passionate about what they do. Uh, They make very high-quality products there, and their customer service is excellent. I totally recommend them. Free shipping in the U.S., and then they also have a really cool YouTube channel that I watched an episode of just earlier today um, on the ancient, like what are the most ancient kilts, what are the oldest ones, or tartans, I should say. What are the oldest ones? And so go check them out at USA Kilts and Celtic Traditions on YouTube. All right. So um, in before I get to, once again, the, the actual clan Fraser of Love It and give you some background on where that clan comes from, I'm always interested in the origin story, but that's not going to be the focal point of this episode. Before I get into that and then lead from there on into the Jacobite Rebellions, that they're a part of. I just want to mention, hey guys, I my online course is made right now. It's 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 done. I've ma- finished making it, and now I'm just in the process of actually putting it out there on a. I'm going to use Teachable to as the platform for the online course. There's several different choices. I researched them. That's the one I'm going to go with, and there will be a link via the website on Scottish-Clans.com. But it's not there yet because I'm still in the process of putting that out there. Just know that's coming. It's almost there. It's designed to be like a mini college course. So it's got video of me using visual aids and explaining where the the Scottish clans come from because that's the whole point of it is the origins of the Scottish clans. And But in addition to me explaining and teaching using visual aids, I'll also include scholarly works that you can read and study, and even maybe a few ideas for you to write if you that's how far you want to take it, because I'm de- designing it so that you can go as deep into this as you want. If you're not there yet and you're just on a level where you're just like, okay, I just, I just want to leave the video part of it just playing while I've got some other things going on, then that's cool. But if you're 
if you want to go like eyeball deep into this thing and you want to not only do the lectures, but you want to do the reading assignments that go with each module. And then you want to maybe even take a shot at a paper, even if you're not any good at writing you just want to put some ideas out on paper, or maybe if you're really good at writing and you're like, I think I've got a compelling case here. Even if you'd completely disagree with some of the conclusions I've come to, then it's going to be there for you. All right, that's enough. That's what's going on. We've got an awesome Facebook group. Go check it out. It's just called Scottish Clans. Pretty self-explanatory. Let's talk about the Frasers, though, because that's what you got on here for. All right. Clan Fraser of Love It. Where do they come from? Well, the Clan Frasers, the Clan Fraser of Love It is actually just one branch and not the senior branch of a larger kindred that goes by the surname of Fraser that started down in the lowlands. They were supposed to have come to Scotland via England, via the Norman Conquest. However, the, the Frasers claim that their ancestors don't actually come from Normandy. Now, we've discussed this before, right? The Norman push into conquering the English. They had, so the Normans themselves were descendants of Vikings who had intermarried with locals there in northern France, had adopted French language and custom, but they also, when they conquered England, took with them Bretons from Brittany and Flemish people from Flanders, and they all just get lumped into this Norman label, but also the ancestors of the Frasers, they came from, they say, Anjou, in, uh, which is just to the south of a region, just to the south of Normandy. All right, so they come in to England, eventually come up into to Scotland, like so many other Norman families did dur- during the Canmore dynasty reign. Upon the Frasers' arrival in Scotland, they first become established in Peeblesshire. But that would not be the homeland or the, the t- core territory of the Fraser kindred. They would, um, bo- the Fraser as a whole, they would branch into two main branches. Both would push farther north. The one would become the Frasers of Lovett that we're going to talk about today. The other would become established in the very northeast of Scotland. The, the first Laird of Lovett was a younger son of Andrew Fraser, Died in 1308. That's the time period we're looking at. His older brother was Alexander Fraser of Touch Fraser in Cowie, who was the ancestor of the Lowland Frasers. Their dad's cousin, Simon Fraser, was known as the Patriot for his outstanding military service against the English in the First Scottish War of Independence. But that line would not continue, and as you may have noticed, the name Simon is very popular amongst the Frasers. Simon Fraser, not the Patriot, but I'm not saying he wasn't patriotic, he just wasn't the one that was known as the Patriot, the younger brother of Alexander Fraser of Touch Fraser and Cowie. This Simon Fraser, he obtained the lands called Lovett from his wife's mother, who was the daughter of Graham of Lovett. And these lands originally, I'm not going to tell the whole story, but these lands originally go back to the Bissett family, who owned most of this area around... Um, Inverness, they're very powerful, once again, a Norman-descended family, um, but they would fade out of power. And that, that, there's some really interesting and, and exciting romantic history there as well, but I'm not going to go into that. I'm going to stick with the Frasers. 
right? So that's how the, the Frasers become established in the area called Lovett around the Aird. And for those of you who are not familiar with Scottish geography, this area that this, the Frasers of Lovett would come to occupy, the core of their territory would be west of Inverness, all right? And, and, and then so like the, the Glen Affric. Now, if, you, if Glen Affric sounds familiar, that's because in the episode I did on the Chisholms, the Chisholms occupied the upper, meaning upstream, part of Glen Affric, and the Frasers would control the lower reaches of that Glen and the River Affric. So that's the area we're talking about out west of Inverness. You can look that up on a map if you're not looking at one right now. All right, so that's where the Frasers of Lovett become established. Now we're going to fast forward so far from their origins clear to the Jacobite rebellions. And most of this history of the Frasers of Lovett is going to focus around another, yes, another Simon Fraser, this time the 11th, Lord Lovett. He is a very colorful character, and most of the Frasers of Lovett's fortunes revolve around him as a, as a man. He becomes very influential. It's interesting because he was not from the senior branch. He, tied, he wasn't very far removed re, in relation from the senior line, but he wasn't from that line. But that would that line would end in an heiress, and that heiress had married a Mackenzie, who was going to try to claim the leadership of the Frasers, unsuccessfully though, thanks to Simon Fraser the Eleventh, Lord Lovett. Okay, so let's actually start with the 1715 Jacobite Rebellion or Jacobite Rising. Imagine that depends on which side you're on, which phrasing you use. That sounds similar to our Revolutionary War here in the USA. I don't believe that the, that the English or those in the UK call it the Revolutionary War. So it all depends on what side you're on. And that's the core issue around this Simon Fraser. You see, um, he had been, he, he comes from a family of Jacobite sympathizers. Um, he had had an older brother that had actually perished in an earlier Jacobite rising in the, in the earlier, in the later 1600s in a, in a successful, the successful battle of Killiecrankie. Um, but even though the Jacobite side was successful in that one, um, this older brother of Simon would, would perish in the battle. So he comes from a, a family of Jacobite sympathizers, and as, the, as William and Mary, William of Orange, he obtains the throne, and, and the, Jacob, the, the family of James Stuart, the seventh, goes into exile in France, the seventh of Scotland, the second of England. They go into exile... And by this time, in, by this point in the 1700s, the two crowns have united. So it's theoretically all one realm. The Stuart, the Stuart dynasty goes to, into exile in France, and Simon Fraser, the 11th Lord Lovett, he spends time at that court. And so the back home, his, the senior branch of the Frasers, who, that will end in the heiress here. That that there's a. I'm not going to go way deep into it because it'll be hard to keep track of it in an audio format. But they have they're back home. They're very Jacobite leaning. Well, Simon comes back from France, back from the continent, 
links back up with his clan and raises his clan for the Hanoverian side to kind of remove this this Jacobite stain from him in the eyes of the Hanoverian government because this also gives him a leg up against those who are competing with him for the head, head of the kin, uh, headship the chiefship of the kindred of the clan this this Mackenzie person that married the heiress of the senior line this the last senior person in that line was Hugh Fraser and so you have a Mackenzie vine for the throne. You got Simon Fraser fighting against this, and to give him that leg up, he is going to side with the Hanoverians. Okay, so that explains even though he comes from a Jacobite-leaning family, he's going to side with the Hanoverians in the 1715 Jacobite Rebellion. Okay, so I hope this is I hope this is clear and that you're able to keep this all lined out in your head because I know it can get a little sideways. And I might I might make a YouTube video to go along with this to help keep it all straight. I will include a link in the show notes of a family tree that you can go to that's done by the clanfraser.org. And they they have a, so you can see how these all relationships are lined out in front of you. But I'm not going to try to do that here. I'm going to try to keep it really simple. But that's why he sided with the Hanoverians. It gave him a leg up against competitors for the headship of the kindred back up in the highlands. Um, and I just might answer, uh, add here, just when I say back up in the highlands, if you don't mind me just digressing just for a little bit, I'm, I'm going to try not to get way off topic here. But the Frasers are a really good example of a Norman-descended family who goes totally native. All right, so the Frasers of Lovett, although descended from, well, Frenchmen, we'll call them Normans because they came in with the Normans, but they... They settle up in the highlands, and at the time period we're talking about, the Jacobite rebellions, there would have been no visible difference. If you were interacting with the Fraser of Lovett, you would not know him from a Cameron that's been in the highlands forever, or uh, Mackay, or name, name your as Gallic Highlander as you can possibly get. The Frasers of Lovett would have been indistinguishable from them. All right, but they have this really back and forth. When it gets to the Jacobite rebellions, they have this very back and forth events. But once again, it centers around the man who'd become their chief, this Simon, 11th Lord Lovett. All right, so they side with the Hanoverians. And so he actually does get his titles and lands that he was going after. He gets the, he's, the, the clan acknowledges him as the chief of the clan. They never acknowledged the bulk of them, the center of gravity anyway, never acknowledged the Mackenzie, uh, who had married the daughter of Hugh Fraser, who was from the senior line. They went with Simon Fraser. All right, and, and so in the, in the in-between, the 1715 and the 1745 rebellion, there was a 1719 rebellion, and that didn't amount to much, and it doesn't get a lot of attention, and I'm not going to go into it much here. But also in this in-between time, you have General Wade, who is the military leader of the British troops in the Highlands, and he actually makes a report in 1724 where he gives the military strength of the different Highland clans. He keeps them in separate categories for those who are well disposed toward the Hanoverian throne and those who are not well disposed, ill-affected, rebellious. And he gives them military fighting strength 
of each of these clans. And it's interesting. Oh, by the way, I have a free PDF. If you want to go to that, you want to go to scottish-clans.com forward slash Wade, you can get a free PDF of that. Can you find it real easy just by a quick Google search and on electricscotland.com or something like that? Sure you could. But if you want to study, if you want to be able to mark, you want to be able to include notes, if you want to really study it, I have found PDFs are helpful for that, and you can get one if you go to scottish-clans.com forward slash Wade. Anyway, in that report, General Wade um, estimates the fighting strength of the Frasers of Lovett at 800 men. Now, if you look at that report, you'll see that that's on the high end of fighting strength. There are some clans who can bring more men onto a battlefield, as you might have imagined. Um, the Campbells can. Um, various other, other clans can. I believe the Mackenzies could put a, a, a few thousand men on a battlefield, fighting men. But there are some who are as low as 150 or 200. That's on the low end. And so if that's on the low end, you can see the 800 is on the higher end, although they're not the highest. That's, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty formidable force that Simon Fraser could call up, whichever side he decided to take. Now we get to this, the 1745 rebellion, and the Frasers of Lovett switch sides. Why is that? Once again, we're going to go back to Simon Fraser. You see, this is a topic that I actually want to dive in a lot more in the future. Um and, and I want to I want to study it. I want to explore it, and and you're going to definitely see it come forward in content for sure. Now, before I get into Simon Fraser's reasons for switching sides, I want to give a shout out to my sponsor, USA Kilts. Guys, they make really good stuff. I've got two kilts from them. One's the five yard wool kilt in the McFarland Hunting Tartan because I have some McFarland ancestors. And I've got another kilt, the casual kilt. It's, le- it's less expensive. And I've got it in the McDuff hunting tartan. And why? I did a whole episode on why I chose those two tartans. If you want to go check that out, you can check that out both on YouTube. I have something on YouTube. This, the channel on YouTube is just called Scottish Clans, but you can go check it out on the podcast episode too. But the, the McDuff of the McDuff hunting tartan is what the USA kilts call a casual kilt, and it's made from a material that's, I'm not a material expert, but you can, that's my hiking kilt. I can take it back through the backcountry, off through the brush. I'm not worried, so worried about it getting snagged, dirty, because it's just a little bit more resilient, um, and it's a little bit more dirt resistant. It's, you know, if you've got a nice all wool, five yard wool kilt, that's, it's a little fancier. That's my occasion, fancy occasion kilt, or I wear it to Scottish festivals, like I went to a couple of them last year. So these two kilts, both of them, though, even though the one's less expensive, it is great for what it's for. I love both of them. Well made, awesome customer service, and free shipping in the U.S. Go check them out. Also, they have a really cool YouTube channel. I just, like I mentioned earlier, watched one of their episodes earlier today, one of their videos on there, um, about the oldest tartans that we know about so that, i thought that was really interesting go check them out usa kills and celtic traditions on youtube all right so why did simon fraser switch sides now i told you explain clearly hopefully why he chose the hanoverian side in the 1715 rebellion 
Now, this is the subject that I think is really interesting. I'm going to study it more, and I'm going to put out some content on this, and that is the Highland Regiments. You have the British government. is there's for, They're forming Highland Regiments. That's where we get the Black Watches from one of these one of the regiments that came out of this. There were several of them, and this is how the British government starts to harness the f- this military potential, which is huge, of these Highland clans. And leading into, uh, in the years prior to the 1745 rebellion, you have different Highland companies being made. A lot These Highland regiments and these Highland companies were often drawn from specific clans. Some clans had enough fighting strength to put uh, several companies in which they might make a battalion or even a regiment. And I'm not going to explain all the, you can, I don't want to get too sidetracked in explaining the different echelons in within a military unit. But it's interesting, here's something I put together, and I didn't read this anywhere, I just started thinking about this. The, if General Wade estimated the Frasers fighting strength at 800 men, yet when we're forming these Highland companies, the Fraser element was only one company. That means that could be anywhere between 60 to 100 men, fighting men. And that, that represents really a small fraction of what General Wade estimated their fighting strength at. And so I wonder why that was. Now, in some of the material I read, which I might as well throw some of my sources, I usually throw sources out at you. Um, I did read up on clanfraser.org, but they're their material they had on there was fairly surface level, although there was some useful stuff like that family tree I mentioned earlier. One reference that I see over and over again in the reading here is a book by Sarah Fraser called The Last Highlander, Scotland's no- most notorious clan chief, rebel, and double agent. All right, so the the reading on this indicates that Simon Fraser, the reason why he even took any of his men, let alone a small portion of them, in, and made them into a Highland company that fought for the British government is that because not so much that he was loyal to the government but and the, and the Han- Hanovers, but more that he wanted a, a body of fighting men who were professionally trained but that were under his command. Now, somewhere in here, his loyalty to the Hanoverian government was called into question. And, and not just his company, but several of these Highland companies were actually removed um, from the command of their chiefs and placed under somebody else's command. But Simon Fraser's company was the first to have that happen to him. And it's and it was be, and because not, not it wasn't just suspected of his Jacobite sympathies. It's it's pretty clear that he actually was sympathetic to the Jacobite cause. So he loses command of this company of his own men, and that had a lot to do with him just going full in. Jacobite in the 1745 rebellion. So that's how the Frasers of Lovett become Jacobites in the 45 rebellion while they had been Hanoverian in the 1715 rebellion. Now, let's go on. I want to talk a little bit about the, the clan's involvement in the Jacobite rebellion. It's interesting that, so by the time of the 45, Simon Fraser, the 11th Lord Lovett, was an older gentleman. Um, he, the, the Frasers the, who fought at the Battle of Culloden were actually being led at that time by Fraser of Inverallachie, who 
was actually the the Inveralachy. I had to look up the, where that was in Scotland, and it's actually over in the northeast of Scotland, where the Lowland Frasers of Philorth have their territory. So the Inveralachy branch, who are a branch of the Lovett Frasers, yet this Fraser of Inveralachy is living over by the Philorth branch, the Lowland branch. He was the one who commanded the Frasers of Lovett at Culloden. He had fallen wounded in the battle and was found by General Hawley, who ordered a young officer, James Wolfe, to shoot him. Wolfe wouldn't, so Hawley had a lower-ranking soldier do it. Wolfe would go on to command troops against the French in North America in the French, what we call here the French and Indian War, and was the general commanding the troops at the Battle of the Plains of Abraham, where he perished commanding troops that would have included the 78th Highlanders who were, guess who? The Frasers of Lovett. Isn't that interesting? So, but he refuses to shoot and to finish off Fraser of Inverallachie, who had fallen on the, on the field of Culloden. Um, why is this Fraser of Inverallachie commanding the troops? Um, Simon Fraser's son who was also named Simon Fraser, who is the master of Lovett, for those of you who don't know how these things work, if you were the up-and-coming heir to this, to let's in this case, to Lord Lovett, you would be called the master of Lovett, all right? So his son, also Simon, like I said, it's a fra- favorite name amongst them, um, he was actually commanding other Frasers, uh, an, another, another unit of the Frasers of Lovett, Um, And I'm going to, for this part, forgive me, but I'm just going to read right off of the Wikipedia page. It says the main part under the Master of Lovett, meaning the main part of the Fraser forces, under the Master of Lovett returned only at daybreak, exhausted from an ill-fated night march, and missed the battle. One of the few elements of the Jacobite center to retire in good order, the Frasers withdrew towards Inverness, where it met the rest of their unit. And that's quoted from that book I mentioned earlier. The Last Highlander by Sarah Fraser. Um, now, if you're not really spun up on the Scottish history here, the Battle of Culloden was the last disastrous battle for the Jacobite cause. They had done really well earlier in the rebellion. They'd punched clear down well into England and then just turned back. There's argument among scholars why they did that, but they punched back. Maybe they got too far away from their supply trains. Anyway, they and in their retreat back to Scotland, it allowed the English and the Hanoverian, I should say the Hanoverian forces, to get themselves together and pursue them. They pursue them well up into Scotland and outside of Inverness, just a few miles, at, they have the Battle of Culloden, and that's where the Jacobite army just gets destroyed, although they did have their bright moments in it, but this was the rebellion. This is the quashing of the rebellion. Not only was it the quashing of the rebellion, we don't see Highland chiefs, independent of the British army, call up their men to fight after this. If there's an exception that I'm missing to that, please reach out in the comments here or personally message me. Let me know. But I believe that that put a stop to that. After that, any clansmen that were called up by their chiefs to fight would did so as units within the British Army. But that's that's another really interesting history there. So clans fighting as such doesn't stop at Culloden, but independent of the government and the, on the army there, the official army it does. All right, so 
Um, it, that's kind of cool that it mentions that in the Battle of Culloden that the Frasers were one of the few elements of the Jacobite center to retire in good order. Order. I was going to mention that because I did find a map of the, the battle array of the different forces and saw that the Frasers of Lovett were in the center of the line. So that's pretty cool too. There's some other, guys, there's some other really interesting stories about the Frasers post-battle that you ought to go and look up. And I'm not going to share them all with you. I was, but I'm not going to because I want to get to one last detail about Simon Fraser. I'm just going to read this from the um, Wikipedia page once again. This is not uh, super controversial. This is across whatever source you find that. I'm just... It's just for the sake of convenience, I'm going to read it right off of Wikipedia. It, this is about Simon Fraser's trial and execution for his part in the 45, the 1745 Jacobite Rebellion. This is lodged in the Tower of London. Simon awaited his trial for high treason, which began in March 1747. So it's a couple years later. The trial at Westminster Hall took seven days, with the first five consisting of evidence against the accused. On the sixth day, he spoke in his defense, but the result was a foregone conclusion, and the guilty verdict passed at the end of the day. On the final day, his punishment of a traitor's death by hanging, drawing, and quartering was announced, which was later commuted by the king to beheading. His was the last actual execution in Britain by beheading, though a number of convicts were beheaded posthumously up to the early 19th century. Hmm, that's interesting. Anyway, he remained sanguine in the days leading up to the execution, even exhibiting a sense of humor. The day of his execution, 9 April 1747, saw many spectators arrive at Tower Hill and an overcrowded timber stand collapsed leaving nine spectators dead to Lovett's wry amusement. His laughter at this incident, even as he was executed, is said to be the origin of the phrase, to laugh one's head off. Among his last words was a line of Horace, Dulce et decorum est pro patria mori, which means, it is sweet and seemly to die for one's country. That's the Latin. He died in his own eyes as a Scottish patriot. By the way, in case you're like, your, your pronunciation's all off there, Clint. I had a couple of semesters of classical Latin, and I really feel that it's beneath me to use medieval Latin. I'm really too good for that. Just kidding. I'm not, but that's what I'm used to um, learning, and so that's how I always pronounce stuff with, with classical Latin. Anyway, uh, that's the last cool thing I thought I'd share with you. The Simon... Fraser, the 11th Lord Lovett, was behind the different fortunes of the Fraser clan, the Frasers of Lovett, during the Jacobite rebellions. Which side they were on it really went back to him, and I thought I'd end it with an interesting story about him. Guys, keep in mind that if you want to reach out to me, my email is thescottishclans at gmail.com. If, and also a lot of people end up just messaging me via Facebook. If you go to the Scottish Clans Facebook group, we've got a lively group, tons of good content on there, and it's not no thanks to me. I just have good guys on there. And that's how I got to know Fraser of Lovett. So, I mean, Fraser of Lovett, Lovett Fraser. That's how I, that's how I got to know him. And so, Lovett, this one's for you because you've been such an awesome supporter of the podcast everything. You're awesome. And I hope that, I hope I did justice to that. Um, guys, keep in mind that online course is coming out in the very near future. I will announce it all over the place. It'll be on the Facebook group. It'll be 
um, on my, it'll be posted on scottish-clans.com. And so it'll be really easy to find from the main page right there. And that, yeah, that's how to reach out to me. My challenge to you is to share this episode or this podcast generally with people that you think would be interested in it. Every platform you can think of, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, various other platforms, those are the main ones. You'll be able to find this, and all of them have a way to share this with other people, like, follow, subscribe, whatever they have on there. If you like what I'm doing and if you appreciate what I'm doing and you want to contribute, go to scottish-clans.com forward slash team if you want to donate to the cause. And until next time, Marishan Leib and Rasta.